read our text this morning, Ephesians, starting, Ephesians 5, starting in verse 21. So Paul writes, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This is page 816, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 21. He says, Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her, to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. In this same way, husbands ought to love their wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself. After all, no one ever hated their own body, but they fed and they cared for their body just as Christ does the church. For we are members of his body. For this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery, but I'm talking about Christ and the church. However, each one of you must also love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. This is the word of the Lord from Ephesians 5. And so, you know, this is a hard text. There are certain words that when we hear them, they they stir up emotion, they stir up pain, they stir up passion. And it's just wise for us to acknowledge that so often we will put up walls. We will um, put up our defenses when we have certain conversations. And I just want to acknowledge that this is probably one of those conversations. And I want to invite us this morning to, to put our spiritual boxing gloves down. I want to remind us that we are, that we are the body of Christ. I want to remind you that I am not God that I do not have some special access to God that you do not have. I want to remind you that I do not have all the answers, that I don't have everything figured out. And so I say all that so that we can come to this text and we can understand that, that navigating the cultural and the theological implications are difficult and complex. And so this morning, I ask for your grace. I ask for your ear. And I ask that you would put the spiritual boxing gloves down as we walk through this wonderful yet complex passage. Verse 21, Paul says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. What does it mean to submit? This is like maybe the quiet of this room has ever been. And so we can take a deep breath. And uh, how do you submit to your boss like at work Maybe you got a new puppy. How does your puppy submit? How do you know when your puppy is submitting to you, Jonathan? It's this idea of going along with another. To listen to someone else, to trust in someone else, to follow behind someone else. It's a, a conscious lowering, a decreasing of will and voice and an elevating of another's. And I want to start here. I love that, that, that Paul starts here because I want us to notice that Paul, before he jumps into describing the marital relationship, he puts this on us, on all of us. Not just on one gender or not just on one person, but on the body of Christ. And he says, submit to one another, go along with one another, trust in one another, decrease your voice and your will and your needs at the expense so you can elevate others. 
This is a continuation of what we talked about last week. We are as a church, I didn't just randomly pick this passage. It's your first time here, just so you know, um, that we're working our way through this letter. And last week, Paul looks at the church and he says, be filled with the Spirit. And we go, yeah, but, but how are we to be filled with the Spirit? And this is a continuation. He says, you want to know what it means to be filled with the Spirit? Submit your life to elevating other people. Lay down your voice to lift up others. This is what Paul says in Philippians chapter 2. I love this passage. I was reminded of that this week. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of the others. And I think we have to see this, and we have to understand this. If we miss this, we cannot have a holistic conversation about what Paul is writing here in Ephesians chapter 5. It'd be like trying to go on a hike up a mountain, not having a boot, not having your hiking boots, not having water, not having a pack, going utterly unprepared. And we have to understand this, that, that verse 21, that the end of verse 21 is what wraps this and unites it. It's a thread that runs all throughout verse, uh, this passage. He says, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. We submit to one another. We yield to one another because of Christ. Because we love Christ, because we live for Christ, we acknowledge that Jesus is always watching us. Do you think about this, that, that he knows your every thought, he sees your every move, he knows the motive of your heart is what First Thessalonians, or what First Corinthians says? That's scary, that he knows the motives, not just the fruit of our lives. And because Christ has died for us, because he has forgiven us of all of our sins, because he has made us his sons and daughters, because he has filled us with his spirit, because he has promised to never leave us, because he's preparing a place for us and coming back for us, we want to please him and honor him and live like him. Amen? No? We want to please him. We want to honor him. We want to live for him and like him. So, we, so we, th this puts a whole conversation in perspective. We don't submit to one another because, you know, you are superior and I am inferior. We don't submit to one another because you are great and I am not, because you have the spiritual answers and I do not. We, uh, we don't submit to one another because you have special access to God and I don't. No, we submit to one another because we live with a consciousness that we are trying to please who? Christ. And Christ loves when we humble ourselves. He loves it when we humble ourselves. When we give value to other voices and people and their ideas. I can't answer this for you, but Christ knows. Do you live your life honoring others? Elevating others, listening to others? What a picture for the world to see of Christians actually living like Christ in humility and trust and respect. Verse 22, it says, wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as you do to the Lord. I'm gonna walk through this passage very carefully. I do hope you saw this in that verse. Paul is speaking to those of you who are, are women that are married. And he says, to, to those of you who are wives, he says, submit yourselves to your own husbands. He does not say submit yourself to your friend's husband or to every man who is a husband or to men in general. No, he says submit to your own husband. Listen, this is crucial. As you do to the Lord. Now he doesn't say submit to your husband who is the Lord. 
He's talking about you posturing your heart and your life towards your husband in the same way you do to the Lord. Here's what struck me. You know, I'm friends with a lot of you in this room who are women, a lot of those of you in the room who are wives. You're friends with my wife. You've been in our home. You've taken care of my children and loved on my children. And as I've watched you, not in a creepy way, (laughs) as I've interacted with you, as I've learned from you, what I've noticed about the, the women in this church family that I've got to interact with is that you are a, a, you're godly Christian women because you love and you live for and you trust in Christ. When I look at your relationship with the Lord, at least what I can see is that you delight in the Lord. You follow the Lord. You serve the Lord, you, you pray, and you open the words, and you give your money, and you do all this. Not because he's making you, but because you love Christ. Because you've experienced his goodness and his realness, and you love him deep in, in your bones, and you submit your life to Jesus because Jesus has your heart in Paul, I believe he comes along with this same train of thinking. And he says, wives, think about the way you serve Christ and why you serve him the way that you do. Not because you have to, because you want to. And he says, let this be the way that you live with your own husband. Follow him, trust him because you love him. Verse 23. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ is the head of the church, his body, of which he is the Savior. Several things I want to just talk about here, several words that are complicated and confusing, but I want to make sure we really understand, I think, what Paul is trying to do here. The word Savior, you know, those of you who who have husbands, and understand that this is a, a part of a conversation. Not everyone in this room is married and you're not supposed to be married. It's not like a biblical mandate that you have to be married, that you're experiencing fullness in God right now as you are. And, but, but Paul is speaking into this because he knows that there are Christians then, there are Christians now who want to know how to orient their life in such a way, orient their marriage in a way that brings him glory and honor and praise. And so for, if you're not married, this is, it doesn't mean you can just tune out. I want you to keep listening because these same words, I think, speak into your life. And so this is what Paul says. You know, he, he, he says this line in verse 23, and I want to talk about the word savior just for a minute. You know, for those of you who who have husbands, you you need to just know this. For those of you who one day have a husband, your husbands are not the Savior. And they're not your Savior. And husbands, you need to hear this. You need to know this. If you get married one day, you are not the Savior. Paul is not saying, husbands, now that you are married, you are now Savior. You now have all the answers. You have been elevated. You have been given special access to God that your wife does not have. That is not what Paul is saying here. Wives, he is not saying that now that you are married, you have to go through your husband to have connection with God like your husband is some mediator. I believe this is where the parallel that Paul is painting breaks down. You see, Paul is is trying to convey that the husband and wife relationship was and is intended to be a reflection of the way that Christ lives for and with the church and how the church lives for and with Christ. 
And I think as Christians, so often we have, we have read this passage wrong and we've used it in some oppressive and harmful ways. You are not the savior, husbands. You are in need of a savior. And you have one in Jesus. You are not perfect like Jesus, husbands. You don't have perfect understanding and wisdom. There are differences between you and Jesus and husbands. You need to understand this because if we don't, history has proven that you will either puff up and think that you're savior or that the weight of trying to be savior will crush you in your marriage. You are not the savior. You're in need of a savior. You have one in Jesus. And wives, don't take this passage to mean that you need your husband to have connection with God. I'm sorry if you have been taught that. I just don't think that's true. I don't think that's in the scriptures. Wives, you have a savior in Jesus and you don't need another. And I want to encourage you to not put the pressure of, of, of that weight on your husband to be savior. He is not perfect. And you know this, but, but he will make mistakes and he cannot handle the weight trying to be savior. Second word in this passage, that's like a landmine that we have to carefully navigate. It's the word head. You know, that, that word head is one of those words that is just wounded and it stirs something in a lot of us, maybe not in all of us. For a lot of you, maybe your father or your husband took this to mean that they were king. Your mom was a servant. Maybe your husband uh, is saying that, that he is king and that you're the servant, like, like he was more important and you weren't, like he mattered and you didn't. I don't think he is saying that the husband is of any more value than the wife. And this is why I believe that. Let me ask you a question. Does the church matter? Is the church valuable? Is she important? Do you view the church as important, as unimportant, as less than, as unnecessary? Be careful how you answer that. Because Christ loves the church. And Christ established the church. And Christ makes the church holy and beautiful, though we are blemished and have been unfaithful. We are who Christ died for. We are who Christ is coming back for. And be careful how you answer that question. Is the church important? Does the church matter? Does the church have value? You need to make sure your answer lines up with the way Jesus would answer that. I heard Rick Warren talk one time. He's a pastor of a church in California. And he said, hey, if, if you don't like my wife, if you have bad things to say about my wife, you and I will never be friends. <laughs> it just doesn't work like that. You're not going to bash my wife and pretend like you and I are okay. You're not going to hurt my wife and pretend like you and I are okay. And we have to understand wives, I think, in this light, because the church, she is of the utmost value. The church has the highest value to Jesus. He died for the church. And so too is the value given to the women, to the wives. You see, head is, is not about who has more or less value, who is more or less important. That's not the conversation at all, though we've made that the conversation. The conversation is, wives, when God looks at you, when he looks at your heart, when he looks at the way that you live with your husband, does God see a reflection of the way that the church loves Christ and views Christ? 
does he see in your heart? Joyful submission. A laying down in order to elevate. And husbands, think about this. When, when God looks at you, does he see you valuing your wife like Christ does the church? Or does he see you lifting yourself up? Valuing yourself at the expense of your wife. Verse 24 He says, now as the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit to their husbands in everything. I don't fully know what this means, okay? I'm just going to like remove that pressure for myself and you're not going to put that pressure on me. I do know that you have the Holy Spirit if you're a follower of Jesus and that God is eager to help those who are hungry to be obedient and, and so I trust that God will guide you. Let me say this, though. I I don't believe that Paul is saying, wives, you have no say. I don't believe Paul is saying that. I don't believe Paul is saying you are never to give your opinions. You are never to give your thoughts. You are to mutely submit to your husband and everything. I just just don't see that in the text. And I know these three verses have, man, they have been debated and argued. There's been tension and division. And I go, man, I'm not going to try to figure out all the complications that Christians have been trying to work through. What is cultural? What's theological? All I know is that, that God is inviting those of you who are women to submit your lives, to give uh, the best of your heart and your needs in your life to elevating your husband. I think that's pretty clear in the scriptures. That as a wife... You don't exist to elevate yourself and to lift up yourself, but you live to elevate your husband. Just like Christ does a church. And things start going bad when the church starts existing for the church instead of the church existing for Jesus. Let's talk to the husbands for a minute. Verse 25. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and he gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless in the same way husbands ought to love their wives as their own body. And I go, man, we can't miss the beauty of Christ in this passage. I think this is so beautiful because Paul is talking about the the relationship of a husband and a wife and right in the middle of it, he can't help but think about Christ and he goes back to to the beauty and the realness of Christ and what he has done for us. You realize that that what Christ has done for us is bigger and better than than anything that a husband could ever do for a wife, that what Christ has done for us is bigger and better than for anything that a wife could ever do for a husband. He said, Christ has laid down his life for us. And in so doing that, he has made us holy and blameless. Do you realize that when God looks at us, he does not see a bunch of stumbling sinners. He sees holiness. That he sees someone that he lavishes his love and his affection on. He sees blamelessness. And it's all because of Christ. Because Christ chose our well-being at the cost of his own. Think about that that Christ chose our needs over his own, that Christ prioritized us and having us with him now and forever over his own comfort and safety. He gave up his life. So Paul says, husbands, Brandon, love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Paul doesn't say husbands. Paul does not say husbands. As head of the wife, 
Love yourselves. Serve yourselves. Make sure your wife loves and submits to you. But unfortunately, I think that's what many husbands have done. They heard this word head, and instead of reading about the way Paul describes the way to live that out properly, many have sought to define the word head by themselves. So head has come to mean for many being in charge, having the only voice. It was an elevation of oneself, and fortunately, that is not what Paul says. He said, his head, lay down your life to lift up your wives. Lay down your life to lift up, not oppress your wife. I'll say this, I don't believe giving up ourselves for our wives is this casual laying over, almost as if we're saying, hey, I don't care, whatever you want, we'll just do that. Christ giving up his life was costly. Christ giving up his life was painful. It was sacrificial. It was also a joy. This is what Hebrews says. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross. It was a conscious giving up of his life for us. Question for us husbands, we who are husbands. Are we laying down our lives for our wives to lift them up? The laying down of our lives does not provide salvation for our wives. They already have that through Christ. Then what does laying our lives down do? The laying down of our lives serves to elevate our wives, to bless our wives, to help them understand how dearly loved and valued they are. Hopefully, it's a reflection of the way that Christ has loved. I've had the joy of learning from many men who've done this well. Amos and Bob, just to name a few. The way that men for 30 years have been honoring their wives. And I see them, and I, and I want to spend time with them, and I go, I, I want to be like them as a husband. I want to be like Aaron. How do I lay down my life for my bride so that her life is better? Are we asking those questions as husbands? I'm far from perfect in living this out. I'm so far from perfect in laying down my life for my wife. And some days I do this well, and a lot of days I don't. My perception has been that husbands, a lot of times, are much more interested in elevating themselves than they are in elevating their wives. That husbands often cling to their hobbies and elevate their needs over their wives. And I know we can't just blame men. That's not fair and it's not true. But I wonder how different the divorce rate would be if husbands lived into this. And if the wives lived into this too. Let's go down to verse 33. It says, each one of you must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. I was thinking about this passage all weekend. 
put my cards on the table. I've been nervous about teaching this. Do you know how hard it is to have a monologue conversation? <laughs> I felt pressure to have all this figured out. I felt pressure to navigate through this text in a gentle way. I realized how often this week, all weekend I've been thinking about this and praying for us and for this. I realized how often Christians have been much more interested in talking about this and establishing the roles or whatever. They've been much more interested in that than actually living it out. This weekend I tried to just be aware of this passage to notice all the opportunities I had to lay down my life for my wife. And you know what I learned? It is so hard to do. Our will for what we want and what we want to do, the, the desire we have, we might not say it like this, but this is what is happening to elevate ourselves at the expense of the other. It is so easy to do. <clears throat> One of the things that I've seen so often in Couples will say, I'm, I'm not going to do my part because you're not doing yours. I'm not going to love my wife because she doesn't respect me. And the wife will say, I'm not going to respect my husband because he doesn't love me. And so often we, we elevate ourselves. We're thinking about ourselves first. We're holding on to ourselves, which is not what Christ did. It's not what he told us to do. I think a couple of things for us to think about as a send us to communion. Christ is the, the aim of our life. If, if we're looking at Christ, if our eyes and our hearts are really fixed on him, we will continually see in him one who served, one who got low, one who, who, who chose to, to bite his tongue one who died. And everything about our American culture is about elevate yourself and lift yourself. And the whole message of following Christ is elevate the church. Elevate Jesus. Die to yourself. Live for something bigger than yourself. And I say that because I want us to understand that 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 is a goal for us. That as, as husbands and wives, but as more than that, as Christians, that, that our, our job is to, to elevate others. And wives, as you elevate your, your, yourself, what happens if your husband continues to elevate himself and he doesn't elevate you? Well, you have an amazing opportunity to live like Christ. And husbands, what if, if your wife doesn't respect you? What if she doesn't uh, lay down her life for you? Will you keep laying down your life for hers? Or will you demand that you be served first? Maybe remember that there was a time where we didn't love God, we didn't serve God, and he loved and he served us first. And we understand that, we reciprocate. I want to remind us to have grace with ourselves. As you are now conscious of what your role is, to lay down your life, to submit, you're going to be so discouraged by how hard this is. And Christ is with you.
And Christ will continue to chip away the hard edges and it's going to hurt, it's going to be painful. And I wanna encourage you to have a posture, a heart of confession and repentance. So don't just say you're sorry, but then to act on it. In marriage, in our church, I know this is very much a conversation on marriage, but I think it speaks to you if you're single. I go, how can you submit this? You don't get to, to step out of the submission, okay? He starts in verse 21 talking to all of us. I go, so how can you submit? How can you lift up? How can you live for others in your house church, in your roommates, and the people that you work with? How can you die to yourself so they can live more fully? I wonder what will happen as Christians, as we as a church family commit to not just sitting around talking about it, but I wonder how different our lives will be when our friends and our family see us living into this. And so I'm commissioning you and I'm inviting you We give the best of your life to just living this out. Just try it. Try it for a week and see if there's not joy. See if your spouse doesn't come alive. See if there's not joy in your friend group when you choose to lay down your life and what Christ might do. Let me pray. God, thank you for, man, I just feel good. Thank you for letting me get done with that. Thank you, God. Thank you for um, the men and the women in this room that trust me, God, to walk through hard things like this. I trust, Father, that if I said things that were off or offensive or hurtful or that you would just um, allow my sisters and my brothers to, to process that and to process that with me, God, that the enemy would have no room to, to create disunity. God, you know that I am just the best I can. I'm trying to honor you. I'm trying to love and, and lead this group of people with several others here. And Nana and Andrew and Caleb and Nick, we're trying our best. And I pray, Lord Jesus, that, that your grace would just be on us. And I pray that your power would be in us. I pray that this week, as we get low, as we serve, that we would find the joy that you found in dying for us. I pray that the world would see us living for each other, that they would be impressed, that their eyes would be open. And God, we need you to do this. And we love you. God, as we break the bread, we welcome you. We welcome you, Holy Spirit, to search our hearts. We welcome you to help us confess and to repent. We welcome you to rebuke us. We welcome you to to get us on the narrow path where we want you. We want to enjoy you now and forever. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen.